Welcome to episode 79 of Honestly Unbalanced, where we chat to people who try to make your life or even the world a little bit better. So over the years, I've been lucky enough to have been sent lots of samples of non-alcoholic drinks and all have been wonderful. None have blown my mind until Ferragaya came along. Uh, So this spirit is uh, really complex, really mature. And actually, unlike many of the drinks I've had, I could sit and enjoy it like I would kind of a very complex cocktail. Uh, And so I got in touch and I wanted to make this podcast happen. I was just completely drawn in, not by just a drink, but by the story and the fact it's made in Scotland. Uh, A lot of my favorite products are made in Scotland. Uh, And so let me tell you a little bit about who we're chatting to. So Jamie Wilde is a co-founder and creative lead of Ferragaya. And he had a bold vision to redefine alcohol-free drinking. And that fueled the differentiated positioning and confidence of their original free spirit. Jamie previously worked in the spirit business at Pernod Ricard and Sipsmiths. Ferragaya, its name meaning wild earth in Latin and Greek, is a small batch 0% ABV spirit that's distilled using age-old techniques in the first working 0% ABV distillery in Scotland. Its 14 carefully selected land and sea botanicals are expertly distilled to create a refreshing, refreshing depth of flavour. And in November 2021, Ferragaya announced it received significant funding from Scotland's leading conservationist. Uh, and in March 2022, they became B Corp accredited. I've mentioned B Corp a lot and we'll chat about it at the beginning of the episode. Not only we'll chat about B Corp, we'll chat about challenging someone's palate in a non-alcoholic drink, being an entrepreneurial child, why people drink and kind of the irony that when people go on dates, they drink to become less like themselves when in fact they're trying to persuade someone to be with them (laughs) for who they are. Uh, We talk about building a brand and lots, lots, lots more. If you do like the sound of this drink, and you will, you can get 20% off uh, with code HUSTLER on Ferragar's website. So I'm going to let you enjoy the episode now. But before you do, just a quick one. So some other little discounts we can get for you. Code HUSTLER will get you 10% off our favorite mats in the world, Lifeform, who are also B Corp certified, i.e. a force for good in the world. If you want to do some yoga online and sound healing and meditation, code HONEST25, or CAPS, will get you 25% off our online platform at thehustlers.com. That's H-U-S-L-E-R, thehustlers.com. Uh, yeah, and that will give you 25% off uh a single 12 months membership or reoccurring monthly membership forever, or at least until you cancel. And then recently I found out about a company called Colorful Standard, uh, and they make just really chilled out clothes, no branding, amazing quality, kind of organic cotton or recycled merino wool, uh, called Colorful Standard. And code HUSTLER10, all caps, uh, will get you 10% off them. So when I say HUSTLER, remember it's H-U-S-L-E-R, no T, we're not that cool. And one more little thing before you head off. Holly has lots of sound healing trainings coming up. You can find out more about them at hollyhustler.com. I always have lots of workshops, events, and retreats. And you can find out about them at adamhustler.com. Now you can enjoy this listen. Honestly unbalanced. So, Jamie, you are... Ferragaya are a force for good in the world. And when I say that, I mean the kind of the B Corp certified. 
certificate you recently got and that is that's yeah. really hard to get and I'm, i know a few companies that have it now but i know how hard it is to get and i, I struggle to kind of <laughs> when i describe it to do justice to how hard it is so if you can talk a little bit about how you got that and what that is well i think uh when we started the whole fairy guide journey back in 2018 i think i registered my b corp application before i actually registered the business oh, wow. uh, and I, <laughs> I, I was expecting it to be bad and for it to be very time consuming and actually uh, doing at that stage so b corp is um, a benefit corporation uh, famous benefit corporations would be patagonia for example which has always been a massive yeah. inspiration for me it's and having a purposeful business a purpose-led business i think is the most important thing to building uh, you know, a, a company, a business that can stand the test of time and that can remain relevant in today's world. You need, I think you need to deliver a great product, but also um, a product that's doing good um, and in, in line with what your consumers care about. And, you know, our consumers are, so we, we, we call them sort of discerning drinkers, people who like to re uh, reconnect to nature. And then also uh, those on a bit of a personal journey that can be mental and physical well-being. And that sort of a mindset of a consumer has that sort of purpose at, at the core of uh, what they care about in their life and how they can sort of see a route to which they can lead, lead a more sustainable and uh, a cleaner uh, existence, leaving the world in a better place. And then also getting more fulfillment out of the existence and the life that they lead as well. So having a B Corp, um, certified business is a very important element for that because you need to have that credibility uh, for people to really like trust and buy into what you're saying because you can say something and not have it backed up the B Corp certifi certified logo gives us that sort of confidence in knowing that what we're doing is actually being listened to and being respected and so that process begun three and a half years ago and I think I actually started it a little bit too early but what it, it gave me the opportunity to do was to get a bit of a framework for how to build a business that was purposeful around all the key areas that B Corp uh, sort of uh, the B Corp outline as the key areas of governments, the governance and the environment, communities and customers. So uh, that really allowed us to build a, a solid framework from day one. And it made that process, I think, a bit more streamlined. It did mean that we had to do a lot of uh, writing of policies, consideration of all of our uh, the, the partners that we use, how we draw up our employee contracts and all those different elements are um, were, were really sort of put under the microscope through that B Corp process. But yeah, that's that's mind. quite an unusual way to start a business in the, you know, when people start normally, they they try and do what they can to make money. And then once they're making yeah. money, perhaps work out how they can be kinder to the world. What what about your past careers, perhaps or past ventures made you want to start a new company? with this ethos in mind? I think my my journey in uh, small businesses started quite young. I academically and like at sports, I was never quite as good as perhaps I wanted to be. And I think I carved out a bit of a, uh, a personality and a character for myself in doing sort of all these little sort of en uh, entrepreneurial enterprises. Mm -hmm. And so that really um, just that sort of kick-started a bit of a journey for me from a young age and took me up to um, where I am now. But that was the, I did a clothing company called Scruffwear at university. 
and um, I, you know, I think I even, and it sound bad um, saying this now, but I think I used to, well, I know I used to go to the pound shop and buy pen knives for one pound and sell them for five pounds. <laughs> Amazing. And that's um, that, that. That's how did you, how did you now. smuggle them in? Did you did you have like a special <laughs> cut hole in your bag? There, was, there, there were ways. You know, I, I, I found ways. Adam, um, I think Adam did something similar, didn't you? But not pen knives. When I was, I was selling DVDs at school. Like at, at about twelve years old, I was copying. Okay. Uh, illegal, no, yeah. not legally, but I was co- copying Rebel. DVDs. Yeah. You've got to start the hustle somewhere. And I, <laughs> maybe it's worth saying that they were very, very small um, pen knives. You know, they, <laughs> they, they wouldn't have done any, any damage at all. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't fueling knife crime in your area. No. No, no, well, I, um, I hope not. Now you've uh, spurred all sorts of reflections that I probably don't need in my mind right now. Um, <laughs> but I was, uh, I, I, I was interested from an early age and I think I just grew in confidence in it. And it took me up to this point, having actually had prior to uh, starting Ferraguy, I'd had experience in smaller drinks companies um, like Sipsmith. Uh, And then I also went into a big drinks company called Perna Ricard, which is where I was uh, for the majority of my career before I started Ferragai. And that gave me exposure to big global brands across marketing and sales and gave me a bit of a flavor from both sides of the coin of how the small businesses are outrunning and sort of outmaneuvering the bigger brands, but then equally the structure and the, um, the, the approach that bigger brands take. Uh, is there's a lot of merit in that. And so I was able to garner, I think, some great experience from both sides of the experiences that I, the work experiences that I had, which I was able to channel into developing uh, Ferragaya. But the B Corp, yeah, I know, I, I know exactly what you mean in terms of, uh, it's a bit of a strange way to start, but I was, I was conscious that if this business is to grow in the, in the way that I want it to, then it's probably gonna save me a bit of a job uh, down the line if I manage to build a business in line at least with a sort of a, a structure that is outlined by by B Corp which has obviously had thousands of business go th- businesses go through it so I think actually just quite a good tool to, to give you a bit of a guide yeah I think now people are becoming more informed by what it is uh, it is I think you know a few years ago no one had any idea I think people are becoming more informed and that that will make me buy certain things now uh, my, the, the yoga mat brand I use is B Corp certified, and that, that's yeah. you know, that's a massive selling point for them. Uh, Holly, I, I, you, I took a breath. Yeah, I'm just going to say with just to disclose to anyone listening, we've got new baby. Hard <laughs> night last night. So uh, such a hard night. <laughs> Holly's gradually caffeinating. <laughs> <laughs> gradually, I was just going to ask: Was there a, a moment of inspiration behind, or a story of inspiration behind how you uh, started on your journey with Ferragai? Is that how I say it? Ferragai. Ferragai. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so I started thinking about Ferragai in 2018. It was a time I'd spent quite a long, uh, five, well, I'd spent six years working in alcoholic spirits. Mm. And I think exposure during the week to alcohol was, was quite an extreme thing in my life. And then, mm. uh, followed shortly after, certainly a sort of like, tw- uh, late twenties, Weekends already filled by seeing friends and uh, seeing family, and but both both of which sort of follow quite a alcohol heavy uh, sort of habit, should I say? Uh, not in necessarily a problematic way, but just in the sort of standard British mm-hmm. sort of habitual way and relationship that we have around drinking and the culture you know that that, that ensues with that. So I was just feeling worn out, and I had nowhere like it was quite hard for me to escape alcohol 
and you know ambitious i was wanting to sort of find my way and cut cut a path for myself and really find something that i i truly believed in and i could get behind and through all of the passion and the enthusiasm that i have for small business uh, into um in, into an entity and so 2018 came about i remember budweiser had just launched their alcohol free beer i think heineken had been there before and there was a couple of alcohol free spirits in the space but it was a very real thing for me to feel like the necessity of having uh, an, a, a confident alcohol-free product that you could turn to if you just didn't want to drink for whatever reason, drink alcohol, whatever reason. And I looked at these options and I honestly wasn't that sort of inspired uh, to, to change my habits. And the main reason that, I've, uh, th- that was fueling that feeling was that all of these alcohol-free products are trying to be like alcohol. Mm-hmm. They are mimicking the flavor of alcohol. They're relying on alcohol. And I'm, f- for me, I've, I, I always felt that there's got to be more to alcohol-free than alcohol. And so that was the, the real sort of cornerstone. Uh, the originality is, 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 I think, the sort of the first thing that, I, that really came to my mind in terms of what I wanted, because I felt if I had originality and I cut the ties from alcohol, that you could actually have some confidence uh, in, in what you're drinking. And if you've got confidence, then I think you can change habits and you can change people's approach. And that's sort of typical idea of what an alcohol-free drink is. And to date, alcohol-free has always been sort of a, a lesser option. Uh, I normally like sugar-filled, not very complex, not very sophisticated, not that doesn't have nearly the same level of craft, passion, and skill put into it and so it's leveling the playing field and so that was really the direction i came from and my business partner bill who's born and raised in fife in scotland and just down the road from the world's biggest distillers at diageo uh, he like most scots are very passionate and proud about where they're where they're from mm-hmm. and so he really wanted to capture that heritage and that progressive spirit of Scotland. And so the combination of this originality and this heritage, rich heritage of Scotland, which obviously around the world, people know Scotland for premium distilled products, mostly whiskies, but also lastly in the last couple of decades, gin. And we felt that that was a pretty good idea to, um, to get going on. And so that's, that was the inception point and that's what kicked it, all, kicked it all off. So coming back, before we move on to anything else, Earlier, we talked about you know, doing that B Corp certification early. I imagine that helped you get people on board you wanted on board because they could see you're an ethical company straight away. I think you had quite a massive investment from an environmentalist, didn't you, at some point? Yes, we did. And that was a, that was a very important element of, I think, that decision. And I think becoming a relevant environmentally aligned product early definitely gave us I think a bit more confidence in the product that we are putting forward. I think there's, it also makes it look a little bit more progressive and forward facing, mm. which I think is a very important element for any business. And you know, if you're pitching your business to an investor, you've got to be able to show that, that, that intent on where it's going and you know, where we're headed down the line, because you know, that's, that's, you know, that's what we're in it for. We're, we're building a purposeful business. Um, that is going to grow and become profitable and is going to be able to be successful in that sense. But also, if it can be purposeful, it can deliver 
good as well as you know a, a profitable business, then you know if, if the world was covered in uh, well filled with businesses like that, I think you know we the world would be in a far better place. Mm. And so having that B Corp certification, actually we we didn't have we were going through the B Corp certification process as we were fundraising last year. But we had also sort of jumped the gun a little bit, and we'd already started doing certain activities around uh, seaweed cultivation, for example, or supporting um, different environmental and sort of charitable bodies that stood up for what we believe in, and are actually doing like a, a proactively fighting for it. There's one called uh, Sea Wilding, which is Lock Craig Niche and Argyle, who is uh it's a community-led organization and they are planting seagrass meadows and wow. restoring native wow. oysters to scotland which seagrass is one of the few things that um from, from in the marine ecosystem that can sequester carbon from the atmosphere seaweed's very good at sequestering carbon it sequesters carbon i think at a rate 20 times faster than a rainforest but seaweed is attached to rocks so the carbon doesn't have anywhere to go it doesn't go into the earth but with seagrass and seagrass meadows they actually have roots and so they draw down the carbon and they actually put them back into the earth and so there's a great there's great scope for um for seagrass meadows and those sorts of organizations and aligning to them and helping tell their story is uh, it, it is something that we've really found a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment out of in terms of doing our our work but also you know if we can if we can boost it we can raise money for them raise awareness for it then it's all you know we're working together um in order to ch- achieve this sort of common goal so it's um I, yeah purposeful business is is something at the core um on, uh, on, on the seagrass topic if i didn't know this uh like us is are seagrass planes are they are we destroying them or is it just that we could do with more? Well, I think we could do with more. I think a lot of, um, I don't know the exact facts on uh, destruction of them, but I can imagine <laughs> things like- What percentage uh, did we lost in the last decade? <laughs> trawling, um, trawling and various other methods can't be good in certain areas. So I, I know that there's a lot of restoration work going on and it's actually something that my sister's involved uh, involved with and she's working out in Kenya doing some really exciting projects mm. doing. Uh, seagrass meadow uh, restoration and just development. So, it's um, it's something that we need more of certainly. Let's and, talk. And let's talk about it. the drink now. So, lots of yeah. my favourite drinks are from Scotland. Uh, in the last few years, I found Harris Gin, <laughs> yes. which which lovely bottle, stunning. Yes, stunning bottle. Many people have made lamps out of that bottle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I believe candles. I've seen, yes. I, have, I think I think you get a lot of these on Etsy, but yeah, that gin I am a huge fan of, and that that incorporates seaweed in it. And I think if you yep. get a certain pack, you have a a little pipette, and you can add extra uh, seaweed into it. <laughs> I don't know if they still do that, but they did. In also, small measures, because it's sort of got a, if too much of it, it can be a bit salty and fishy. <laughs> yeah. And so, how have you captured, I guess, the essence of Scotland in your drink? Like I. I so our first contact came where I got sent some of your drink just to just to taste, and yeah, yeah I I've been sent multiple non-alcoholic drinks over the years, and they're all okay. Like none none of them I've ever repurchased or had any desire to particularly. They're fine, but actually I really loved the taste of yours. It wasn't trying to be anything else. It felt kind of wild, but also quite mature. Uh, and I re- I really loved it. I really loved it. So can you talk a little bit about the taste? Yes. So the taste, as I alluded to at the start, is not about 
recreating a gin, a whiskey, a tequila. We, you know, we respect those too much to want to say that we can make an alcohol-free version of it because I think by definition you can't, even if it is a great attempt. So cutting our ties on that is uh, fundamental to Ferragaya, which means that you're slightly then floating around in a sphere of what can we make now? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got no real benchmark in terms of like what we're creating. And Bill and I, being a fan of a lot of the single malt scotch and also blends, really enjoy a drink that has that sort of complexity in the depth and length. And so we really set our set sights on creating that. And you look at different flavors and botanicals that come in at different stages of the flavor journey. And so you might get sort of citrusy notes that come over first, or you might get a herbaceous body, and then you might get depth from a spice botanical. And so the structure, that sort of a structure started building the botanicals that, uh, you know, we started to identify and get closer to and uh, explore. I think we're also conscious a little bit of uh, the medicinal past of a lot of the botanicals that we're choosing because they all have sort of great history of uh, of, yeah, of medicine and sort of like chamomile for example as we know has a has a great um sense of sort of relaxation calming and grounding and then um you know we look at uh, like robustness perhaps from the pink peppercorn and so you can start to tie a bit of a story not only from the flavor point of view but then also from the properties of these botanicals that you're adding and so it's, there's a lot of botanicals that we started with and we whittled it down to 14. And we uh, say 14 land and sea botanicals. And so it's from land and from sea. The land botanicals, many of which we grow around our distillery. So we've just opened Scotland's first alcohol-free distillery in Fife. And the botanicals that we grow around the distillery are chamomile, bay, blackcurrant leaf, lemon, mm. verbena. Um, and then on the west coast of Scotland, on the Ardnamurkin Peninsula, took me quite a long time to learn how to pronounce <laughs> that one. Um, we have a seaweed line uh, that uh, we cast two years ago with some uh, with some partners called uh, Green Sea Solutions who are doing fantastic work in, again, just bringing the cultivation of seaweed uh, to the fore in Scotland and, uh, again, an, an interesting progressive area of Scottish uh, commerce. And so we, we cast a seaweed line. Um, seaweed grows very, very quickly, so we grow our sugar kelp off that line and so we harvest that. And we use that as botanical uh, in in Ferragal, which has a little bit of body and a little bit of salinity to the flavour. And then the final element of it, which is very important, is the sort of more spiced botanicals. And the one that really is you pick up is the pink peppercorn, which you feel on the top of your tongue after you uh, after you drink Ferragal, and that sort of gives it a length. And so there's small bits of other um, chili in there: cayenne pepper and ancho chili, a little bit of ginger. Um, but that really sort of rounds off a length of taste and a depth of taste, which I still find it quite, it's quite hard to find in alcohol-free spirits, certainly, because a lot of them are very top-note, herbaceous, floral, and then you don't have that depth. So my theory on a drink is not, a, a drink shouldn't just be defined by having alcohol in it. I think a drink is a drink that makes you slow down and take your time. Mm. And so the art of the Ferragar flavor is in like the line, like how much can you challenge someone's palate so that you can allow them to slow down, take their time, pick apart the flavors, and then really sort of just take a bit of a breather and a break from the stresses of the uh, of the day, um, and either to engage with the immediate environment and what's going on in their life individually, or what's going on in in the lives of the people that are around them who are sharing that moment, sharing that drink with them, and 
after you've come out the end of that experience, then you've had a drink, but you've had none of the alcohol. Mm. Well, uh, Fergo has no sugar, no calories, and vegan gluten, all natural flavor, etc. So you can feel pretty smug <laughs> with yourself. Would you say that. that your your drink is is healthy then? Yes. Yeah. I think wow. certainly when you compare it to the alternative, mm-hmm. when you look at uh, if it's if it's alcohol versus alcohol free, it's it's definitely a lot healthier. And you know, I, I think from just what I said there about the completely alcohol free, sugar free, mm. vegan friendly, gluten free, and so I say you know, it has very few calories at all. Um, you know, it's really, it's just, this, it's this distilled flavor that is delivering that experience mm-hmm. for you. So yes, healthy. And then you've got the, 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 the nod to the properties of each botanical that we use as well, which meant to tie into that whole story. You said in an article that you aim to redefine alcoholic free drinking, and you might've touched on this already in what you just said, but I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that then. Yeah. Well, sort of at the top of this call, when we started speaking, it's this, idea that alcohol-free drinks are reliant on alcohol. I think the irony of it mm-hmm. is, is it's just so blatant and plain to see. And I, 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 I see the, I sort of see the industry at the moment, the, the category is, imagine a river, two sides of the bank. There's a stepping stone in the middle of the river. One side, you've got the alcoholic drinks that have existed and will continue to exist. Um, on the other side of the uh, river, you've got alcohol-free, like true original alcohol-free drinks. And in the middle, you've got on the stepping stone, you've got all of these alcohol-free products that are neither one or the other. And there's sort of this in-between, which you know, it, for me, it's all confidence. And in a way, Fair Guy is a selfish endeavor. I, I want to create a drink that I can just honestly look at a back bar, I can look at a drinks tray and just say, alcohol, alcohol-free. It doesn't really, I'm, I'm not bothered by like, unless you're drinking to get pissed and, you know, the, the, no judgment. That happens quite a lot in people's lives, I know. Um, but I think largely the people, when they're looking at um, the moments that they are drinking, they might be having one or two drinks. And actually, why why do you need that? the alcohol? The answer yeah. is you probably don't. Mm. And so if you can look at a drink tray or a back bar and you can say, you know, I've, I, I'm just, uh, I've got the benefit of choice here and I feel confident to choose the right drink for me, then... That's you know that that that's what I, that's what we're aiming for. That's what I want, and that's what I believe people really need to be able to moderate and find a healthier balance and relationship with alcohol. Mm. I think yeah, a lot a lot of the come back to what you just said previous. A lot I believe of the non-alcoholic drinks that I've had in the past have felt like soft drinks, <clears throat> almost yeah. like there there there. I got given recently a non-alcoholic drink, and I I almost use it as cordial. It didn't feel like a drink. I was just yeah. adding it to a little bit of flavor or non-alcoholic wine. And many of them just taste like Ribena. And I drink it almost like Ribena. Suddenly yeah. I've drank a bottle where there's been one that I've tasted where I've actually been able to treat it as a, a drink and actually enjoy it and sip it. So I think there is certainly room, for, I guess, for, 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 for that in the market, that people want a drink. It's a drink in its own right. And yeah. I think for a lot of people that have maybe had issues with drink in the past, uh, having something that is non-alcoholic gin maybe reminds them too much of gin. It maybe takes them back down that hole a little bit again. They don't want something that reminds them. Certainly we've got friends that they don't want the non-alcoholic gin or the non-alcoholic vodka. They yeah. want something completely different that is that is, that is standalone. Uh, 
So moving moving on from that, let's talk about the psychology of why yeah. people drink. Of course, some mm-hmm. people drink to get pissed, uh, yeah. which is fine. But why do you drink uh, to get pissed? And, but there was a hole, yeah, yeah. We, we could go down that hole. But I, what I, I guess... many holes to go down. So yeah, many, many, many so holes many. to go down. <laughs> but in terms of like, let's talk about the peer pressure element side of things. Yeah. So you've talked about this imaginary drinks tray where you your drink sits there. And I guess psychologically, people wouldn't feel bad saying, I want that Ferragayo was tonic rather than I want a non-alcoholic gin and tonic. So can we talk about, in in however you want to go down that route, talk about dry January and talk about why you would encourage people perhaps to explore different, some alternatives to automatically going down the route of either a J2O (laughs) or or the proper full-on alcoholic experience. I think taking it one step back to what you said at the start about how there is this stigma and social expectation that uh, have a good time and to be part of something you have to drink. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very real. And I think a lot of people l- l- live, live in that reality a lot. And I think that as the alcohol-free category devol- uh, evolves and develops, I think that's starting to break down a bit. But I think sp- certainly when you look at times of year like dry January I, I, so at, at the start I didn't necessarily with Ferragai want to acknowledge dry January because I, I felt like this is just one month of the year moderating alcohol should be a should be a weekly thing mm. it shouldn't be just about dry January or sober October but as you know we've done, we've been live for three years now and as I've observed and understood more about how people do drink and how people look at it I think what January represents is a time of year where socially it's easier not to drink Mm. and the stigma is not as real as it is in the other months of the year and so it's a good like stepping it's a good first step into trialing alcohol-free drinks, trialing sort of moderation. I hate that word, maybe liberation mm. should be a better a, a, a better term. And so I think that's why I would encourage people who perhaps want to sort of explore themselves, um, alcohol, their relationship with alcohol, and whether or not alcohol-free can f- take a bigger place in, in their life than they previously thought. And I think there's quite a few people out there that would really like that. And so that's why I'd encourage um, try January and exploring that. But if you want to yeah, go through the psychology of that stigma and why that's there, that's an interesting topic. That mm. It's quite exciting because you could do so much with what you do. I mean, you have your drink and your beautiful product, but you could also, you know, further down the line, I'm not sure if you do this already, but offer, you know, workshops on how to look at your relationship with alcohol and really, really help the world in that way. Yeah. 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 I think uh, education is our, our, our biggest uh, challenge really. I was actually, we, I, sorry, I, go on. Like, this is why it's so important that you know I'm, I'm doing this with you guys today, and yeah. because it, certainly a small brand, you know, we're a very small team as well. Uh, is having the platform on which we can actually discuss and talk about like the art, like mm. we're challenging, we're setting a benchmark in a category that is already very. It's, it's it's a small category. It's a small like developing category that is really still dominated by the world's biggest drinks company so you've got to be very careful with like if you spend money or you focus on things you've got to be really strategic on it to get the share of voice so people can listen to what you're saying 
And I think this is this is what we so desperately need to do with Ferragaro's to get the message about like what we stand for, how we're how we're challenging this category to be better, um, so that people can really uh, again just just revisit that idea of what an alcohol-free drink can be, mm. and hopefully through the Ferragaro experience, find something that they can actually build real confidence in. Exciting. I think. Mm. To, to break down, let's have a little breakdown of why people drink. I'm, I, I don't want to insert anything into... Why do you drink, Adam? Yeah, let's talk about why, why I drink or why I life? have historically drunk. Okay, so one reason... I know, I, for the record, I drink as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask that. One, one yeah. reason, I guess, is Dutch courage. Okay, you're going, you're going on a date or you're meeting new people. It kind of relaxes you to some degree. That is one element. Another element is peer pressure. Uh, or, you know, all the yeah. lads wanting to have a drink. One element is financial. Well, if we're doing rounds, and I don't want to be getting the Diet Coke, I want to get something that is equal, <laughs> equal value yeah. to, your, to, to your gin and tonic. Another reason is taste. Is actually, you know, when you go out, you want it to be an event, an experience. And much like we want nice food that we couldn't necessarily, you know, make at home, we want a drink that we couldn't get at home. So there is, and you know, traditionally our alternatives to, you know, the cocktail or the nice gin and tonic that we don't have at home would be, you know, old school J2O or juices and mixed with, you know, sparkling water. We're all quite boring. We don't really yeah. get any kind of taste experience through that. And so we automatically drink because drink is slightly more interesting. Uh, I guess they're the main reasons, I guess, I've historically drunk. And we, as a disclaimer, we don't drink a lot anymore. We went through a stage of every country I'd go to teaching, I'd buy their bottle of gin or whatever <laughs> whatever gins were made in that area, I would buy all of them. So we have a lot of gins at home. And it's through COVID, we drank every night. And actually <laughs> yeah. now we barely, we barely drink. I think Holly, Holly is a new, well, a, a new mom I, is drinking a, a little mom. bit more red wine than she used to. Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> so that's, that's the reason why people drink as well, because they're parents. Uh, yes. <laughs> Managing stress. So I hear that. Can you, hear can, that. So can you speak to any, any of these and I guess what your thoughts are? Because you've been looking into this quite um, a lot. There's a lot there. I think the first one that I always find quite interesting is the dating one. And I'm a massive fan. Uh, hypocrite on this one if i'm you know considering what i'm preaching and taking to the world is that <laughs> like taking the edge off before a date and during the date i the irony again is like alcohol and alcohol free it's like you're trying to meet someone who you can connect with who can sort of see you and see you know whether or not there's there's something something there something that you know you can uh you can invest like both of you invest your time in and develop a relationship but the irony of drinking when you're on a date is that you're actually becoming less like yourself mm. and you're becoming this other person. And so, and, and so you're actually moving away from each other. And so you're making it harder to actually mm. get aligned on whether or not this is, this is just like, just like this is curtains. So, but I, I, I find that in that I, I'm, I'm not single anymore. Um, but I think when I, I was about a year and a half ago and I ashamed to say that, dating was a, a moment for me where I, I found it quite hard not to drink. Mm. Um, but I think the, for me, the, the challenge that I always present to you know, I, family, friends that I'm, that I'm around who probably have quite a normal English drinking habit and relationship with alcohol is, uh, is this sort of idea of fitting in. I think people drink to, to fit in primarily. And I, I, and I think that can be led by insecurities in the group of individuals there. I think if there's one person that really relies on alcohol to and perhaps has formed a, a character and a personality around who they are when they're drunk, it means that they're projecting a lot of expectation on the people that they're around to basically sort of be like them. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And this, I, I think that's a chain reaction that happens there. And I think that's the British culture that like, we see around drinking and people's relationship to alcohol. It's very much sort of if it done because it, we feel like we need to be doing it because if we don't do it, it's an offense or we're not having a good time. But this, the, I think the empowering message about alcohol-free and particularly with Ferragai because it is like radically authentic in that it's getting away from, it doesn't contain any alcohol, never touches any alcohol, it's not trying to uh, mimic the taste of alcohol, is that you're actually, you're empowering yourself to be an individual and you're um, empowering, you're, you're only giving yourself the opportunity to present who you actually really want to be and your honest, true self. Mm-hmm. And I think we know that what, showing vulnerability and truth is one of the best ways in which you can actually enrich your relationships and the experiences that you have in your life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and, I, and I really buy into that idea. And I think that this fast paced sort of quite uh, sometimes superficial existence that we have, that everything's just, you're going through the motions, but you're actually not pausing and, and really taking uh, everything that you can be out of those different moments. I think that this fitting in idea of, you know, and I see it is that if you've got a couple of people not drinking and they're having a good time, you see this sort of slight intrigue or curiosity that springs up around the people that are doing what they've always done. It's like, oh, how 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 are those yeah. guys like having a great time? But you know, they've they've got a fairer guy, and I've you know I've got a I've had my fourth pint of beer or whatever. That could be so quite maybe, triggering for people as well. There. Sorry, yeah, yeah. And, and then it can. It, it, so, but I, I see that happening and I think people, people like life hacks, don't they? They like to cut corners. They like to find ways in which they can make their existence better. And I, I'm certainly talking about my personal feeling on the matter with that. But I think that it's, it's in that transition point. But I think it's a really interesting cultural, habitual um, topic that there's so much in it. And yeah. I liked your points, the financial side of it, the taste. But again just to leave it on taste is i can you alcohol has traditionally had you know great craft beers um like the story of like brewing and then the vineyards that you're drinking the wine from these exotic places like italy and france and uh, australia and then and then you think about spirits and the 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 marketing campaigns you see around them and these are so much more exciting than jto and your classic drinks that you have when you're sat in the pub or you're going to a bar or you're at a mate's house in, in the evening. So it's obvious why we're all going for these alcoholic drinks because they actually represent something that is better mm. just through the marketing and the imagery of them than alcohol-free. And I think this is this is what I'm trying to challenge and um, show that actually you put the craft, you put the passion, the put, you put the work into an alcohol-free drink, it can it can level the playing field. Mm. And you, so you, you managed to get into quite a few amazing places, Selfridges, Ocado, uh, you've yes. got you've got around the world, Rel- you know, relatively quick, like three Removing. years is, is relatively fast. And so I, what motivated the rebrand? Uh, I quite like your brand before. I like your brand even more now. When I say brand, I mean kind of logo, bottles, mm-hmm. the aesthetic. Uh, what motivated that? Not just saying yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my feeling about it. So the original brand served us really well um, as as we launched. I think we learned launching into a category that was so small at the time when we launched. Um, there's obviously a lot of learning that's gone on in between that. But the, the main thing that we had was that we always been compared to whiskey 
and we were it's, it's had a slightly more traditional like sort of age like heritage vibe to it um than compared to the new packaging the new packaging i think is a lot more progressive and confident we've actually dropped the reliance to alcohol so we call ourselves the original free spirit rather than an alcohol free spirit non-alcoholic nice. spirit and that's starting to get to a point of that. you know this is the stance of we've got originality and it's actually a liberation that's you know mm. finding your free spirit mm, that's and so nice yeah, which and I, I don't see it, like anyone shifting in that way in terms of that sort of message of confidence. Mm. Certainly, when you talk about distilled products, because they're just all very reliant on being like a gin. And so I think that that um, that that was a really key part for the messaging, the way that it looks. It's it throws the eye off a bit because um, you've got a brand name that goes around the bottle. It's it. I'm, it's more often than not people either spell. Actually, it's very rare that I see people spell Ferragai right, and it's <laughs> even rarer if I see people pronouncing Ferragai right. I mean, the the the, the attempts that I've heard on Ferragai is <laughs> you know, some of them are quite insulting. Can you tell us what it um, means quickly? Sorry, just so the listeners. So yeah, Ferragai means wild earth in Latin and Greek. So uh, ferox is like the root word in Latin, and that means like feral, wild. And then Gaia is Greek mythology and you know, Mother Earth, mm. the, the sort of where, where we, you know, where we come from ultimately. And the idea of Pharaoh Gaia, I'll just quickly uh, go into, is, is this sort of sense of reconnection, that feeling that mm. if you're out in a forest, you're up on top of a mountain, you're looking out at the sea, that sense of perspective, the sense of groundingness, the groundedness you feel, the presence that you feel, that's that's what we're trying to instill in the drinking experience of Ferragai. So if you can get a little bit of that in your manic manic life of, you know, on a Tuesday night, you've got screaming kids, you've got many things to do, and you've got, I don't know, like an inbox in your email that's overflowing. You can, you can have that sort of little sense of groundedness and like wild earth presence when mm. um, in the chaos that a lot of, you know, people uh, exist in, in in day-to-day life. And I think that's, that's something that's a sort of a quite a powerful can I ask? Idea. I really want to know because it sounds so beautifully crafted and so well thought out and so just everything about that was so gorgeous. Did that all just flow to you or did you sort of sit and really have a brainstorming session around that? About the specific process of distillation, etc. No, just about? about the name and the philosophy behind uh, it and connecting people back to the, the earth. Well, we knew, as I said, the purpose side of it was always there. And Bill and I the the wild actually well my surname you know this is yeah, a complete ego trip <laughs> um, but you know, Jamie Wild <laughs> there's a there's a little little bit of you know, guilty a little bit there but it's actually I think uh, Bill being from Scotland uh, you know with the Cairngorms and various other mountain ranges up there it's that sense of being having that exposure at a young age to these places sort of left a like a mark um, I think on us and I grew up in Cornwall so again like the sea something that's very important to me but ultimately we all come from wild earth we like we are products of it and we've evolved obviously a long way from when we were first uh first created and so it's we can't really escape it and i think you know, we know that nature holds many has a lot more knowledge and a lot more understanding um than that yeah yeah which it, i mean it just holds so many answers and I think that we, as a as a species, are very arrogant, and uh, you know we think that we know best, 
And so it's often turning back to these more simplistic ideas around nature and the wild, I think can present these simple truths about our existence and help us on our way to find you know, greater fulfillment and a happier existence. Would you have any advice for anyone like looking to start their own business, not necessarily in non-alcoholic drinks, whatever it might be, you know, maybe they've become disenchanted with the industry they're in and they're wanting to create something new. So is there any advice you would give to new business owners wanting to do, do things the right way and a responsible way? And anything you'd give either logistical advice or advice psychologically for them to move yeah. forward with it? I think the psychological ones are definite sort of that's it continues to amaze me the uh the effect that small businesses have on a founder but i think from a purpose side of it it's a great time uh to to start a purposeful business be it in more sort of psychological like what you guys do is a prime example of it as well people i think care more today about truth and honesty and things that are real and uh, which means that purpose, whether it's for more ethical reasons or environmental reasons, is far higher up on the agenda than it's ever been. So, and people want to know about people's stories and how you know they see the world and how they want to better Just it. Like, and so that's I, I think it's a good time for people who have that calling of wanting to instill change and they see an opportunity to create it. But it's the I think the mental strength and the stubbornness that I think you have to have in your own mind, because the the peaks and troughs are very immediate, and the it, it's, it's sort of trying to keep a level head when there nothing necessarily makes complete sense. So it's like trying to find these ways in which you can move forward, and I don't think anything has ever happened the way that I've planned or foreseen it to happen in the last three and a half years. I mean, we launched and like many other businesses had a complete pivot because then COVID happened after two months of us actually operating. And, and then we have never, ever since, you know, we know that there's been so much turbulence in the world. We generally haven't had a month that has been like the month, you know, in the previous year. So it's, you know, it's, it's very tough. And, but I think that the satisfaction that you get of making these little small steps forward. And actually there's a, there's a poet called David White that I um, love and I find a lot of, I can really relate to, but he's got a line in one of his poems, uh, which is, you're, you're never more brilliant than in your wish to find a way than any destination, the gilded halls of any destination you might reach, which is all about the sort of sense of everyone's focusing 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line on where they're, where they're headed. But actually, it's, it's the grind, it's the challenge of your like, wishing to find a way. That's truly where the satisfaction of like what you're doing and the privilege that that um that you have if if you are able to work in your own business is that you know you're you're able to work for something that you really believe in and you're really aligned with and that's that that is a great uh, great privilege and um, forming a team around that is um it is even more satisfying when you can find like-minded uh, individuals that share the share the vision and really boost the whole story and, and and the trajectory of of the whole message that you're trying to create and send out. Mm. Lovely. So like Quickwise. Yes, yeah, it's, it's almost like the I forget who says this, but you know, forget about the idea of having eyes on the prize. You know, keep your eyes on the path that you're mm. walking. Yeah. And, Precisely. Uh, 
Yeah, quick fires. I think I, I think there's always one good quick fire, unless you've got another one. Go on one, then, you go for one it. One that I would love to ask is, because you, you, you've created a drink and you've created a culture, or not a culture, but you're, you're imagining the kind of person that might drink this and where they might consume it. So for you, if you were going to sit down somewhere and drink a glass, mm-hmm. what would you be mixing it with? Okay, what yeah. would be the drink of choice? And where, at what setting would it, yeah, would you be buying an open be? fire? Would you be on a mountain? Describe the perfect uh, drink. The perfect moment. And the perfect yeah. moment, yeah. Well, I mean, we've, we've just actually launched cans because, you know, I love that moment of being in the outdoors. You might be going out for a picnic or somewhere where it's a bit of a pain in the ass to take a glass, some ice, a garnish, mm-hmm. a knife, a cutting board, a mixer, a bottle of Ferragaya and a measure. So, like, the... The mobility of Ferragai has just increased, but I still think that my sort of my, my the moment that I that I always come back to is actually more of an indoor moment, and it's that sort of midweek and probably surprisingly to th- this is th- this is what I dream about and this is what <laughs> I get excited about really is the idea that I can create that drinking, we can create that drinking experience where you get a sense, you get a little break, you get a little reconnection to Wild Earth, you get that grounded fulfillment, that moment of sitting back, you know, probably in a city setting, um, wherever you are at home and you've had a like a busy, a busy day, but then you're sitting back. And for me, I'd probably be having, if I'm at home, um, something simple and, the Ferragai and ginger ale, what we call the wild ginger. So that's 50 mils Ferragai topped with a, a ginger ale and a slice of lime. Um, and sitting back in that sort of more urban setting and taking that moment in to sort of reconnect to these places that, that what I love about wild, wild earth, it can mean uh, completely, a completely different thing to someone else. Someone's been, we've all been to different places and we've all been to these different areas that mean something to us. And I, I like that sort of sense of like looking back the nostalgia of these places that you visited in these fleeting days that you have off in the year where, you know, you go to the beach, you go walking in the woods, you go to a park, you go up the mount, uh, up a mountain and you can reconnect to how you felt in those moments when you're in the wild. And so I'll do that with a wild ginger in an urban setting, just because that's really what I want. That's what I want to create with, with, with Ferragai. And obviously, but, standing up on top of um you know ben nevis with a with a nice with a maybe a smoky old-fashioned which mm-hmm. is a cocktail that i spent about four months trying to develop with ferrigo which i which i which i love it's got some lapsang souchong tea mm-hmm. I, I think um no i i also love that maybe maybe that's a sort of a good tv advert uh, advertising <laughs> that's campaign. the advert yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I think that's a good place to finish yeah i think it's perfect Thank tell you. us where we well where our listeners can buy the product I think the easiest and most efficient way is our website. And um, I know that I think you'll be sharing a discount code later on. So please, if you haven't tried it, um, get on our site and and, and order some there. But uh, we're also available in uh, beautiful shops like uh, Harrods, Selfridges, Harvey Harvey Nichols, Fenix, um, Dalesford. And I think what we're trying to do is open up a slightly more um, accessible distribution points this year. So I think we've already got Ocado and Amazon, but um, as soon, um, hopefully some others will follow. But most importantly, I think our biggest distribution points are in um, on like great hotels, bars, restaurants up and down the country. And we're currently on about 450 different places. 
So please keep an eye out for us and um, our sort of our, our new bottle on the back bars of all these places that you're visiting and sample some of the great cocktails that have been made with Fairy Guys. So exciting. Thank you so Thank much. You. I want I want to go in the garden now. And just we're getting, <laughs> we're getting our pond done at the moment, and I, I feel like sitting next to our pond, watching my newts. Getting <laughs> swim in the pond. <laughs> I would love to swim in the pond. It's big enough. We could do some ice bar well, thing in it. Yeah, we've just had yeah. it expanded. I don't know what the newts would think about that. <laughs> Adam would be in his element. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been so lovely to chat. Thank you guys. Thanks it's, so um, much. It's been great to, great to chat. Thank you. Unbalanced.